everyone, and welcome to another great episode of Thingamajigs, the exciting history of mundane things. We have an exciting show ahead of us, but to be honest, I'm feeling kind of tired and kind of weary over here. Keep looking out the window, see all these kids running around, having a good old time. Why aren't they at school? What's what's going on there? It's too much joy outside. What's with all the giggling? It's too Honestly, green. What's going on with all these kids running around? Shouldn't shouldn't they be somewhere? Um, I'm pretty sure they're on summer vacation. Vacation? Is is this something that could help me uh, not feel so tired and weary? Could I perhaps vacate my place of work and get some time to relax? We're only on the 11th episode, my guy. You should not be tired yet. We have a long way to go. We gonna, like, max this baby out at, like, 12? Oh, I think we got at least to episode 20. I think I've, I think I've got nine more in me. I got about 15 more minutes. Okay, I'll make this fast. <laughs> We're gonna talk about vacations. What is that? Tell me about it. What's, the, what's its deal? So, you probably haven't given a lot of thought... But the vacation as we know it, it had to be invented. We are going to go a little off our normal content since vacationing is more of a concept than an item. But I thought it would be fun to cover it since we're a couple days away from the first official day of summer. And I believe school let out. So we've got kids running around doing summer vacation. That explains it. Those rascals. Summer is a great time to get out of the house and spend time with your family. I don't know. I don't know about that. It's hot out there. There's bugs. There's a lot of green. Ugh. It's the worst color. Green is not the worst color. It's the color of life. Oh yeah, you're colorblind. You can't see it. You live in such a dull world. Is that why you're always so monotone and blah? Probably. My least favorite time of the year is whenever winter goes away and I lose all those nice shades of gray... And then we go into summer, and there's all these shades of gray. It's infuriating. Obviously, people have traveled and moved around since we invented standing, but the idea of traveling for pleasure or to relax is completely separate. I don't think anyone would consider a work trip to be a vacation, even though it kind of involves all the same characteristics. Going to a new city, sleeping in not your bed, sometimes eating weird food. And yet, it's not a vacation. Vacation means an extended period of leisure and recreation, especially one spent away from home or in traveling. The first thing we had to do in order to activate vacation status is create a time of peace. And can you guess where we're going to go? Back to bed? (laughs) Okay, bed is very peaceful, but no, I mean like a time frame. Can you guess what time frame we're going to go to? Who... Who do we always start with? Jesus. Well, I mean, sort of. We're going to head that way, I I guess. Rome. Rome achieved uh, peace after conquering all of the things. The next thing you would need is a large network of roads for recreational travel, which again, Rome nailed with its 75,000 miles in total that ran from Portugal to Turkey, and then amenities, which the Roman Empire spread to other parts of the world. I guess it was good to be on top of the advancements. You got to be the first to partake in, in leisure time. Now we've advanced too far, we need to go back. There's no leisure left. 
Well, we're, we are going to cover why Americans don't take time for themselves. Not necessarily why, just that they don't. <laughs> like most good things during life in the early days, vacations were only for the rich and elite. Consequently, Roman vacations were pretty elaborate. They were closer to the modern sabbatical, lasting for sometimes years. I could go for one of those. You could go for a sabbatical. Yeah, go for a nice, maybe 1.8 year vacation. You just want to retire for a, a quick a quick retirement? Just give my eyes a little rest for a couple years. Light a candle or 20. Yeah, you're up to 20 candles in order to relax now. You know, I'm good with just one. Well, if I'm lighting them three at a time, which is the minimum required number of candles, I'm going to need a lot of candles to get through those two years. Oh, so you're bulking up on candles so that you don't have to go to the candle store anymore. Yeah, my candle budget's going to be nuts. Mm, I don't really love that idea. What What if I'm not into whatever candle that I picked six months ago? I guess you'll have to get 20 of each cent. The Greeks also wanted credit for the idea of vacations, but... I saw where the time off was more geared towards enabling time for their intellectual conquests. I guess they needed time away from work to think about things. Hmm. I need some time off to think about that one. Vacations seemed to die out after the fall of the Roman Empire. New wars began and it was no longer safe to travel long distances. And especially in the Middle Ages, leisure and rest was considered sinful. They had pilgrimages, which were taken for spiritual fulfillment, not necessarily fun. Although, I hope they at least had some fun on their on their pilgrimages. What exactly does a pilgrimage entail? I think it was more of like an evangelistic conquest or an, an evangelistic tour. I, I believe it was just for spirituality, as long as you were thinking about Jesus. Every day is a pilgrimage for me. But I didn't necessarily dive too deep into the pilgrimages. Travel, for leisure's sake, made a comeback during the Tudor period, which it was basically only for royal families and their court. They called them royal progresses. They were for the purpose of diplomacy and had an after effect of relaxation. They had a dilemma with the lack of internet and their subjects not only being illiterate, for the most part, but also spread out over 500 miles. Now, they did have portraits of the royals and, like, their faces, the coinage, but nothing sticks in the minds and hearts of a people like showing your face. So they traveled each year during the summer, passing through towns with as much royal swagger as possible in the 15th and 16th century. So they're just, like, walking through towns. Well, no, they rode horses and wagons and stuff like that through different towns to connect with the people and show their face. And it was more of a, hey, look at me and all of my power and all of my nice things. You should look up to me. So they threw a parade in every town to remind people that they exist. Yes. In fact, it was so eagerly anticipated that itineraries were published in advance, laying out where the monarch would be visiting, how far they would travel each day, where they would be staying at night. I don't know who was reading them, this itinerary. 
maybe there was one guy in every town that could read and they would all gather around in anticipation like the Super Bowl. Maybe that was a part of the town crier's duties. They probably just did like a Facebook Live. That seems like it would probably be effective. It would be very effective, but um, then they... Why didn't they think of that? They're so dumb, dude. I should be king. The progresses would be compiled of sometimes up to 750 people. That's a big parade, which I feel like is a lot of people to just crash a town with. That was probably the size of most of these... I don't have any facts about this, but that was probably the size of most of these towns. So could you imagine you have a town of 750 people and then 750 more people show up? That's a whole town. That's a lot to accommodate. Accommodating the royal family and court was a very prestigious thing. So you sometimes it would cause people to spend a lot of money in order to upgrade wherever they were going to be staying. It was very honorable, but it also had a lot of responsibility and monetary toll. They would have people set up their rooms beforehand. So whenever the royals would show up, everything would already be the way that it needed to be with like curtains and all of their clothes would be unpacked and stuff. And then someone would have to go in and pack all of that up again and move it to the next town. The bathroom situation must have been insane. Well, everyone's bathroom situation was not ideal. 750 people show up and they're like, hey, we've been sitting on these wagons for a long time. It's been a bumpy road. I got a leak. Now, for the average commoner, they would stay home and wouldn't usually travel further than the next town over, which I knew this, but it's always bonkers to me that that was normal for someone to grow up in a town, maybe leave a couple miles to the next town, and that was as far as they had ever gone in their whole lifetime. That is so strange to me. Well, I've spent some time in Mississippi. It's pretty much the same situation. Okay, at least Mississippi has cars, and they have Jackson. (laughs) Wouldn't go as far as to say that they have cars, but sure. Then vacations morphed into what the Europeans called a grand tour in the 17th and 18th century. They were primarily enjoyed by young but affluent men. They would travel to become more of the world, knowledgeable, and maybe even instill some maturity. It was somewhat of a rite of passage. Like a rumspringa. I don't think that's a good parallel, but sure. I mean, that a rumspringa is also a rite of passage. It's more of a, hey, go into the world, find out if you want TV and plumbing, and then come back and hoe this row and grow your beard out real long. I don't know about hoeing rows, but I like rowing hoes. You know what I mean, fellas? <laughs> Gross. Once the Puritans escaped religious persecution in England, they were spreading across the east coast of America. The ideology behind Puritanism was not kind towards rest. They worked for six days, and then they attended church services on the seventh. and That was their whole week. <laughs> Idle hands being Satan's workshop and all. When did they have time to play Xbox? I don't understand this society. It doesn't make any sense, these people. You were so steeped in the year 2023. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. The year is currently 2008, and I'm playing some Halo 2. 
Now, they did come to realize that one cannot live a happy life by doing nothing but working and going to church. They were experiencing what they called brain fatigue, which I believe is what we would now call burnout. So the preachers and town leaders started advocating for some time spent away from work and church. They did eventually gain some personal time, but it was somewhat restrictive. Fishing and hunting were the two most popular, but it rarely involved any kind of extended travel. Also, what were the women doing? If fishing and hunting was the most popular things, what did they quilt or did they picnic while the men were fishing? I mean, I know women can fish and hunt as well, but I don't think in this time period they did that very often. No, they were probably cooking and cleaning and sewing and arguing with other moms on Facebook. Moms need a break too. Being a housewife is not a vacation. That's what the arguing with other moms is for. It helps you let out that steam. Let us all bow our heads in a moment of silence for our brothers who never got to experience their toes in the water, toes in the sand. Toes in the water, toes in the sand. Not a worry in the world, cause I got toes on my hands. Thanks, Zach Brown Band. Another W. The origin of vacationing that we know today was born of three important things all coming together at once. Transportation, work efficiency, and affordability. Transportation was taken care of by the railway built across the U.S. in the early 1800s and Henry Ford with his automobile in the late 1800s, early 1900s. The steamship also contributed to large groups of people traversing this beautiful blue marble. Steamships are so cool. I don't know why we're not on a boat right now with the chugga-chugga. Soon people were able to visit coastal beaches. Coney Island was among some of the first popular places that catered to masses of vacationing families. You know what Coney Island is, right? It's the island with all the cones, yeah. Funny enough, the popularization of vacations is when we see that light skin falling out of fashion and that deep, sun-kissed glow tan becoming desirable because... Vacations were expensive, and so if you looked like you just came back from the Bahamas, then you must have a lot of money. California and Florida were some of the first popular destinations for longer vacations. Silver Springs in Florida offered vacation facilities and became one of the first resort-styled places to attract tourism. Look at them go. That's pretty much all of Florida now. And old people. And bad drivers. And crazy people with their hair all tussled in mugshots. Oh, yeah. And... Tons of cocaine right off the boat. The second thing was work efficiency. With the Industrial Revolution producing machinery and factories that enhanced the manufacturing process, it took less people to produce the same amount of goods, which meant that the companies could afford for people to leave on trips. However, there was still the affordability block. Just because you had transportation and your boss was okay with you leaving, people who were living paycheck to paycheck could not take a week off on top of spending extra money that month. Which brings us to affordability. More and more men became salaried employees in the growing corporate world. The idea of culturally sanctioned institutionalized breaks from work only made sense as the nation transformed from an agricultural into a more urban industrial society with workers who had benefits like paid time off. 
paid time off. What a concept. Obviously, not everyone had a job that came with benefits, but at least we were working towards the middle class getting to enjoy vacations. The Great Depression and World War II was also a big kink in vacationing, unless you counted getting shipped overseas, which I can't imagine anyone did. Oh, sure. I hear the beaches of Normandy are lovely this time of year. Mmm, those red sand beaches. Hit up some cute little German girls. This does sound nice. I don't know what everybody was complaining about back then. But the post-World War II years became a boom for vacationing with the rise of the commercial airline industry providing even more exotic possibilities. The 50s and 60s saw mass tourism when theme parks began to develop, like Disneyland in 1955 and Disney World in 1965. I hate Disney so much. Unrelated to anything we're talking about. I just, oof. I thought that it was interesting that Disneyland came first and then Disney World ten years later. I, For some reason, I always thought that Disney World was the hub. It took them a very long time to actually form a polished idea for Disney World. It was a huge deal. There's documentaries about it. You should probably watch them. They're, they're impressive. There's also a Disney something in Japan. Isn't it weird? Are you trying to say that anything in Japan is weird? No, I remember seeing some documentary about this really weird, uncanny kind of theme park they built over there to match something we had over here. I'm, I might be mixing two different concepts, actually. There's a video by the proper people where they go and explore an abandoned theme park in Japan. I might be mixing that with Disney. Anyway... Shout out the proper people. Good watch. When President Eisenhower signed legislation funding construction to the U.S. interstate in 1956, that opened to the world a quick and easy vehicle travel experience. Fascinating story about why he signed that. Uh, There's a good YouTube video by Windover Productions. Shout out Windover Productions. Good watch. We are not sponsored by any of these people, just in case we need to add that. Windover Productions. Like, subscribe, ring that bell, and join the Patreon. I don't know if they have a Patreon. I'm just making this up. So that the interstate was not proclaimed completely done until 1992. I thought that was interesting that it... The, it, the process started in 1956, and then it was not proclaimed complete until 1992. That's a long time. Huge, huge project. The United States is such a wide chunk of land. The fact that they were able to pull that off at all was kind of amazing. It also cost a lot of money. I saw some figures. I just didn't add them. Yeah, they had to like buy up people's land and make deals with people to borrow parts of their land as easement, and then the materials were bonkers. I wonder how much the interstate system weighs. We're really getting off topic. I'm gonna do the math on that. Hi, it's me, Ben. But you might recognize me more as my character, Ben, from the hit show Thingamajigs. Since I know that I'm probably going to forget to add it to the doc, I did in fact do the math, and based on numbers from the U.S. Geologic Survey, 
and uh, standards set by the American Association of State Highway and Transportation Officials, I have estimated that the weight of the United States interstate system should be something about 5,442,592,702,794 and a half pounds. I love how you called it a hit show. <laughs> that being said... The documents are being added to the website, so go ahead and check them out at uselist.us/things. That's u-s-e-l-i-s-t dot u-s slash things. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. Let's talk about the sad bits. Even though the vacation is much more accessible these days, there is still a long way to go. It is estimated that a quarter of the U.S. workforce receives no paid vacation whatsoever. That doesn't surprise me. I have worked exactly one job with paid vacation time, and the rest of the jobs that I've worked, you were lucky to not get fired for trying to take unpaid vacation time. That's really sad. For the people that do have vacation time, over 70% of the workers that had vacation time, left their vacation days on the table each year. Why they did that? Obligation? I don't know. Not feeling like you actually have the time to go, worrying about whenever you get back from vacation, having double the load to have to work through. Man, I remember when I had that job with vacation time, I would book all that vacation time. And then if I had any left by the end of the year, I was like, New Year vacation. Let's go. You also got um paid birthdays. Oh uh, yeah, that's great. And uh we had holidays off and time and a half if we chose to work. I always used all my vacation time. Even if I didn't, I would get it paid out to me. I believe the US is the only developed country that views paid time off as a benefit and not a right. Many American companies give their employees 5 to 15 days off, and the average American vacation is just 10 days a year. And this is negotiated between the worker and the employer, which means that the employer decides how much time off the worker gets paid. And that's not normal in other places? In Europe, four weeks or more has become a standard time for vacations and often mandated by law. That sounds awesome. It's well known that time reserved for relaxation is good for your mind and body. Capitalism is actively trying to kill you. Yeah, that was something I never understood. With some companies, you are relying on your employees' mental faculties for them to do a good job, but they refuse to let them relax since you're going to get a worse product. I did not add this. But I did read that the idea of the five-day work week was established because employers realized that their workers, whenever they would come back to work well-rested, they would perform more efficiently. And I've heard reports from some companies who have switched to four-day weekdays saying that their employees' performance improved even further. That's because... People need time to decompress. I think we're also seeing a difference with the way that we work. So ye olden times, you know, you if you were a farmer, your life was farming. That was you, your home, 
your fields, that was all a part of you. Whereas now, when we go to work, we separate our lives very staunchly between work life and home life. Yeah, that's true. You spend all your work days going to a company and doing that work for that company, and you have no investment in that work. So any free time you have, you're going to try to get the fulfillment of actually being invested in something. That's important. Also, since the rise of the internet, we are seeing people having to deal with work even at home. So whenever you go home, you're still expected to answer those emails. When you go on vacation, you have to tell them, hey, I'm going on vacation, but I'm still going to have my phone. You can still call me. I'll still answer emails. I think we're seeing Gen, Gen Z stepping up and drawing a line and saying this is not okay we're not going to give you a hundred percent of our selves that's good i hope for their sake the sake of the younger generation that they can accomplish something with that movement also it's something to be said for employers who make their employees feel important so if you haven't taken some of your vacation days we are halfway through the year. Don't let them don't let them fall off. Don't leave them on the table. Take that time. I'm pretty sure they have apps to track those kinds of things. So like if you're having trouble tracking your vacation days or if they don't give you tools to easily see how much vacation time you have, that goes a long way. Also, if you're an employer, let your people chill and make them feel important. But not in that stupid condescending way that most companies do where they're like, "Hey, I got you pizza that one month. We're a family. We're very lucky that the woman who takes care of our scheduling is incredibly accommodating. She will make things work for you. And if she can't, then she'll offer you an alternative. Avoid the corpo speak and that strategic crap. Why is that so hard these days? Remember that you are a human being with a whole life and you shouldn't let anyone take advantage of it and of your time spend some time with your annoying giggling children yeah take them somewhere get them away and out of the yard and your neighbors also i love children especially my nieces and nephews my nibblings i don't like children that's it <laughs> that's all i had to say about that we have a cat Love my cat. Love her to death. God bless her. No, yeah, she has all the disadvantages of kids, honestly. <laughs> she can't use a doorknob. That's her one good thing going for her. And we can leave her alone. Can't even get her to do the dishes. Well, we're wrapping it up here, and we're going to take a vacation from this episode. We hope you enjoyed, and as always, I am Ben. And I am Danielle. Don't forget to grab a goose and get out of town. Thanks for listening. Now, go! Forgive me by you.